And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Athletic Hockey Show Trade Deadline Live. As you can see here on your screen, it's Ian Mendes, Sean Gentilly with you uh, for, I don't know, next hour, hour and a bit uh, to recap a uh, rather eventful day, 48 hours in the hockey world leading up to the 3 o'clock Eastern time uh, trade deadline. So in, in lieu of the usual Athletic Hockey Show on a Monday with myself and Haley Salvian, it's this live edition with myself, Sean Gentilly. We've got a cavalcated guest, maybe even Haley Salvian, uh, coming into the mix. Corey Pronman's going to drop by. I think Peter Bob, maybe some Arthur Staple, uh, Jonas Siegel. So we're going to have a whole cavalcated guest coming up here. Uh, break down the trade deadline. Sean Gentilly, my friend. I got to ask you though, as we kick this off, you did the live blog all day with uh, it was the two Sean's, McIndoo and and you. Um, from a from a humor perspective, did this trade deadline deliver <laughs> some laughs or what? Zach Sanford, baby. That was the that was the funny deal of the day. No, I I, I think the Jets brought it for most of the for most of the the, the uh duration there. Are 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 you okay? That's the question. I know no, I was busy. I'm I, I thought I was gonna be the most flustered person in this like in this live recording or where or whatever we're doing here. Your your day's been, I think, more eventful than mine. Well, you know what? The, the thing was, uh, we were supposed to start at 5 Eastern time. It's now almost 6 Eastern time. Uh, Ottawa Senators General Manager Pierre Dorian was supposed to speak to us, we thought, around 3.15 on Monday. He ended up speaking to us closer to 5 o'clock. It was like 4.40. So, I, you know, I, I came racing into the house uh, after that Pierre Dorian uh, interview. Uh, look, and I got to ask you, we're going to bring Corey Problem mm-hmm. in here in a second. I'm always a big fan of getting outside opinions on – on the team that I cover, which is the Ottawa Senators. Mm-hmm. And I want to know from your perspective, the Travis Hamannick trade. What like what what goes through your mind when you see Ottawa pick up Travis Hamannick, pay full freight for him, 
and give up a third round pick. When you saw that there was a third round pick involved, I figured that that was also going back to the Vancouver Canucks so that the Senators would take Travis Hamannick. And that's, that's, that's obviously not the case. Yeah, it was wild. I mean, that's the sort of stuff. I mean, my God, dude, you, you know this better than anybody. That's the sort of stuff that we've come to expect from the Ottawa Senators, like head scratching stuff also typically involving weird, weird contracts for D-men. So yeah, I, I think it, in one regard, it was, it was sensible. It also kind of fit the tone of the last few days, which was like crazy prices getting paid for defensemen, like in the wake of the, of the Ben Chirot deal. But man, that was a, that was a wild one. And it was wild to see Dorian, whether it was on TSN or whether it was, whether it was with you, with you guys, like try to, you know, justify it because it was a head scratcher for sure. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, I said, we got a cavalcade of guests. Why don't we start wheeling them in? Uh, Corey Pronman, who of course is uh, does a, just a terrific job uh, covering uh, the prospect side of things. Uh, I think we're going to bring Corey Pronman into the mix here. There, there, there we, we go. go. There we go. We appreciate your patience here as we had a little bit of a false start. Welcome to this uh, live edition of the Athletic Hockey Show Trade Deadline Extravaganza. Corey Pronman, how are you doing on this uh, on this trade deadline day? I'm doing very well. It's been a very long last 24, 48 hours, but uh, I, I've enjoyed it. I think the you know from an NHL perspective. You know, it isn't like the NBA trade deadline, but I still thought we had a lot of action over the last couple of days. Listen, let, let, let me start by asking you, and we saw, look, Ben Sherrod got traded for a first-round pick. We saw some other first-round picks in play, uh, some, some second-round picks. Just from a draft capital perspective, were you surprised at the number of uh, picks that changed hands here maybe in the last couple of days? The one that I thought that was interesting is how many future draft picks were traded. I think you saw a lot of 23 picks, a lot of 24 picks getting traded. Uh, it's not something you usually see a lot of in the NHL. I see it in other leagues, you know, other sports, or I see it in the junior leagues. That that stuff happens, but in the NHL, it's 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 pretty rare for teams to trade that far into the future, especially for first round picks. I mean, Florida traded their 2024 uh, first round pick uh, in the Claude Giroux deal, and we presume Florida will continue to be good. But there, there's risk when you do that. You don't know uh, where your team's going to be in a couple of years. For the Flyers, that's a very long time from now if you're rebuilding to even get the player. Uh, so that was the one thing that I thought was the most interesting. Corey, in terms of actual prospects, not just picks, who's the most interesting guy to change hands here? Um, there was there was a couple that that were interesting. Um, you know, for one, like I just mentioned Florida. I think Florida in general just you know cleared out so many of their their main uh, young assets. Whether it was the first round picks in twenty three twenty four, whether it was Owen Tippett, who was the tenth overall pick in two thousand and seventeen. Uh, being traded to Philadelphia, uh, you know, you look at this team now, they are all in, uh, you know, they, they committed, you know, so many of their tradable assets for potential future trade deadlines um, in, in this current season. You look at, at Colorado, who had several good young defensemen in their system, um, you know, you know, Bowen Byron obviously was playing a little bit in the NHL recently until he, until he got hurt, uh, but then they go trade Justin Barron and Drew Hellison, both excellent, big, mobile uh, de- right shot defenseman um, as an attempt to to try and win, uh, which which I admire. Uh, but uh, I think those are the two teams that I, I think you can argue they're the two best teams in the NHL. Um, but they definitely committed uh, themselves with their with their prospect capital at this trade deadline. And and maybe you could uh, just following up on that, uh, Jack McBain uh, changed hands too, going to to Arizona. Did that surprise you at all? Uh, that one didn't surprise me. Nathan Smith going there surprised me a little bit. I I, I think we knew Jack McBain 
uh, was looking just for a place to play. I don't think there was a guaranteed roster spot for him in, in Minnesota, so Arizona made a lot of sense. Uh, there was a lot of rumors in the weeks and even months leading up uh, to this trade deadline that Jack McBain might get moved. Nathan Smith, the Winnipeg third rounder, who just played at the Olympics and been one of the top players in college hockey. I thought that one was interesting too. Uh, him going also to Arizona, who I had a, was a really active at the trade deadline and, and been really active in trades overall this season. Um, as they you know have a lot of draft picks and they use some of those to get some players in McBain and, and Smith who can play for them soon and while still having a lot of capital to play with, even though they didn't trade Jacob Chikrin. Corey, I wanted to go back to Owen Tippett. Sure. Um, he's 23 years old. I think you're a little bit higher on him than some evaluators are. What have you seen from him over the last couple of years that sort of creates that discrepancy? Because he's, you know, ultimately he's a 23-year-old AHL player, right? So what have you seen from him that, you know, still makes him worth being the centerpiece of a, of a Claude Giroux deal. Right. Well, I don't know what evaluators are referencing, but, but I mean, he's, I think he's got like 13 points in, or I think he had 18 points in 13 AHL games this season. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Florida's incredibly deep forward group. He played up there for most of the season. Uh, when, once they got healthy, he, uh, he went down. And, um, yes, because he's not in the NHL. He's 23. I think it's a reasonable argument that uh, you would like to see that. But I think the circumstances were a little bit different. I think the talent is, is real significant. He can skate. He's really skilled. He can shoot the puck. He can make plays. The compete level has always kind of been the issue with Owen Tippett. Um, but there's a reason why he was a 10th overall pick in his NHL draft is there is a real, there is clear top six tools there. I, I would argue even like if everything ever went well for him, it would he has top line potential. I, I don't think that's realistic to expect given how you know his development has gone over the last four or five years where I think he's been rather good as a pro. I mean, when, I, when he's been in the American League, I think he's been very successful. In the NHL, I've seen good glimpses from him, even if it's not consistent. Um, but I think he's going to help the Flyers. I think, you know, the fact that he's a wing, not a premium position, I think is the one aspect of that trade that hurts a little bit. You didn't get a center. You didn't get a defenseman in that trade. It's a, it's a top six winger who are valuable, but not extremely valuable, uh, typically in the trade market. But but I, I do think Tippett's going to help the Flyers. Um uh, to go with that first round pick that they got. Um, but it's fair to say when you trade a, like a star center, even if it's a rental center, uh, the return was less than you expect, but Giroux held all the cards and, and that's what happened. Uh, and I wouldn't mind also picking your brain. I, I'm always, when, when you see a trade for an NHL ready player now, like our Terry Lekkinen goes to Colorado in exchange for prospects. And in this case, Justin Barron and a second round pick, uh, should Montreal fans be excited about getting Barron? Yeah, I think so. I think Barron's an excellent prospect. I mean, he's 6'2", 6'2 6'2.5", excellent, excellent skater. I mean, the athletic tools are off the charts, always have been with Barron. I mean, he was a guy who coming into his draft year, you know, he went in the 20s partly because he had a blood clot issue that season and his performance wasn't all that good, but he's always been an extremely uh, well-thought-of prospect. You know, not great offense, probably more secondary offense in the NHL, but I do think there is some offense there as a pro to go with the size, the excellent skating ability. I mean, that's a guy who there's no guarantees, but I think he's got a fairly decent chance to become a, you know, a second pair defenseman, top four defenseman in the National Hockey League who can maybe be a second power play guy, maybe not on a, on a, a top team, but uh, I, I think he's an excellent prospect. And when you don't see, you didn't see a lot of those guys switch hands, but that's because Lakinen has control beyond this season. Um, so once I kind of heard that he was going to Colorado, um, my thoughts went to Barron as, as or potentially a first 
future first round pick as the assets that made sense there. Was there a prospect that changed hands that surprised you? Like, was there was was there a guy who you saw you were like, oh, wasn't wasn't expecting him to move today? Um, no, not really. I mean, I think you you kind of know going into the trade deadline. Uh, you look at the buyers. You look at where you know, who their top guys are. Who are the ones the players that uh, um, are being covered by other teams. Like I, said, I think I said before, I think I didn't really know that Nathan Smith wasn't going to sign with, with Winnipeg. I think that was more of a recent development. Um, but but otherwise, I think everybody who moved was mostly the way I expected. But going back to Barron, the one thing I wasn't sure I knew kind of knew Drew Hellison was kind of going to move. I mean, he was a chip that was being discussed in NHL circles for a while. And Colorado was a, cont- a contending team. You knew they were going to, you know, move a, a second round pick who had developed quite well, and it was garnering interest. But whether they were going to move Barron w- was one I was I was interested by uh, because after now that they've moved both of those guys, they don't really have much left in their farm system now that Alex Newhook and uh, and Bowen Byron are on the NHL team. Yeah, they got some other guys that are, are somewhat intriguing, but but those were their two top prospects outside the NHL and. Um, but I understand why they did. I mean, that, that they're the Stanley Cup favorite. Um, if you find a guy who you can, you can really help your team for this and a future playoff run, uh, I think it's definitely worth it. Well, listen, Corey, before we let you go, uh, trade deadline is come and gone. Next thing on the agenda, especially for prospect junkies like you, it's the top prospects game coming your way uh, on Wednesday. I'm just curious, like, can you give our listeners and viewers a name of one guy that hey maybe keep your eye on this guy if they're if they're happening to uh, to, to to watch the top uh, top prospects game on uh, on Wednesday. Yeah, sure. I'm actually in the Guelph Kitchener area right now, uh, prepare you know you know for the CHL top prospects game. Uh, the Canadian Hockey League, there's going to be a couple of guys who will be picked really high. Officer one known Shane Wright, um, uh, potential first overall pick. The Winnipeg Ice duo of Matthew Savoy, Connor Geeky are very well. Uh, highly thought of as well. And if you want one other name who may not be consensus, uh, keep an eye on Pavel Mitnikov, uh, the defenseman for uh, the Saginaw Spirit. Uh, he's a guy who's garnering a lot of interest in the National Hockey League. And in a draft where there doesn't seem to be exceptional depth at the defense position, uh, he's a guy I think has a very good chance to go top 15. All right. Well, listen, terrific. Uh, we look forward to your coverage of the um, of the, the the top prospects game, the showcase coming up on Wednesday. Appreciate you dropping by and kind of weighing in on some of the prospects and draft picks that move here at the deadline. Corey, as always, thanks for this. Thank you. All right. There goes uh, Corey. Probably. I got to before we bring Jonas Siegel on here, uh, Sean, I got to read a couple of comments that have come in uh, on the side of the screen here. By all means, jump in with the comments. Right, for it. Let's go. It's a lot. It's a live show. So we like this. Uh, Kyle Baxter has written in. Wow. Ian looks like that. I thought he'd look a lot more like a dorky dad based on the podcast. That's a compliment. I is it? Is it? Wait, actually, I'm not I'm not sure if it I is. think it's a backhanded compliment. <laughs> like, like nobody could be like as that ugly. face, that yeah. face does not make the commensurate amount of puns that you do on the right on the or basically. or nobody could be as uh, ugly as i imagined you to be based on your podcast <laughs> I, see, personality. that's not that's not that's, that's, not, what he that's, not that's cool and then tim lynch writes in uh if they ever did a reboot of unsolved mysteries with ian as the host i'd watch the hell out of it what, i don't even I know mean, what that but i missed first, first off buddy i got some bad news they did do a reboot of unsolved mysteries and you are not the host of it so you oh, yeah, they, did. Gig. they did hey listen the people want uh, Jonas Siegel. So let's bring him in. The Toronto Maple Leafs, a lot of eyes on them. Um, heading into this deadline, there he is. Hey, buddy. It's Jonas Siegel. Uh, Siegel. Siegel. 
Jonas Siegel. How are you doing, buddy? Muted. Oh, he hasn't unmuted Busted. himself. There we go. Hold on. Do we have him? No. A Ooh. whole lot of nothing. Rather fitting for the guy covering Toronto at the uh, the trade deadline, right? So there we go. Okay. <laughs> uh, let's see. Are we, do we got him now? Jonas Siegel. Nope. I, I, I could read the lips. That could be I a could... fun set. That could be a fun segment, actually. Jonas speaks. Yeah. And we have to actually guess what he's saying about the Maple Leafs based on based on the lip readings. I think he said Jack Campbell. Uh, no, I don't. <laughs> anyway, hey, I, I got to ask you. We do have some uh, text coming in here. Uh, Vincent has written in. Uh, hey guys, what is the worst single or the single worst trade that was made this deadline? So again, that one comes in uh, from Vincent, and Vincent wants to know. What's the worst singular trade that's been made? I, look, I know I know a lot of people would say Travis Hamanick. Um the most inexplicable one, right? Like I don't if, know what, if you're, what do you think? If you're giving up an asset to acquire a player who was on waivers a few months ago when you're a go nowhere team for the rest of the season. I look, I get the logic from Pierre Dorian. He said he ran the assessment. He's better than what they could have gotten on the on the open market in the summer. Understandable. But my God, that was that was baffling. I'm trying to remember what the other what the other rough ones were because it's been such a slow burn, right? Where where we've gotten drips and drabs of other deals in in the run up well, in the run up to today. But Hamnick Hamnick definitely sticks out. I'll tell you, uh, Nick has written in. Nick says Ricard Raquel was a bad move, and and and, and I'm curious what you think of this because mm-hmm. obviously the the team that you for a long time that was your beat, right? You were a Penguins yeah. guy, and I I still think a lot of us look at you and think of you as the guy who follows the Penguins and, and knows them very intimately. So mm-hmm. uh, Ricard Raquel, thumbs up, thumbs down. I get a thumbs up. I mean, that that's the cost of doing business, right? It's, it's a, whatever, conditional second round pick. It's Kelly Klang, who's a good goaltending prospect. It's Zach Aston Reese. It's Dominic Simone, who are, you know, roster pieces to make the money work. Aston Reese more of a loss than, than Simone, for sure. Aston Reese's defensive impact numbers were great, but couldn't score. So, so be it. You got to, send out money to add money, right? I think the single biggest thing that Jim Rutherford always understood when he was here was that having Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin and Chris Letang was a gift. And you sell out every year because you never know when you're going to get that kind of uh, collection of talent together again. And that makes for tough decisions and it makes for mistakes and it makes for a brutal prospect pool. We see that now, right? Where it seems like for the last three years, every trade involving... The Penguins has been like, oh, can they get him for Sam Poulin? Can they get him for Nathan, Nathan Ligari? There's the same names that keep kicking around because that's how barren the prospect pool is. Understood. That's the cost of doing business when you respect the gift. And I think that's what Jim Rutherford always did. And I think that's what we saw with Ron Hextall today. You know, you look at what happened in the, in the Eastern Conference, whether it was the Rangers, whether it was the Panthers, on and on down the list. They needed to do something, especially because they had a glaring hole on Evgeny Malkin's wing. They're, they're taking Brian Rust off of Sidney Crosby's wing off, off the first line. That's, that would have been shocking stuff, you know, a couple months ago, but that speaks to the issues that they had on that line, right? So Raquel fits in there. The price was gigantic, but this is what it means to run an organization that has Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin, Chris Letang on it. Like They're still capable of winning and, and made all the sense in the world to do it. Yes, the price tag was high, 
Good work by the Ducks. I think we deserved it. We should give a lot of credit to Pat for B because even aside from this deal, he brought in a haul, right? You look at everything, he's, whatever he got for Josh Manson, on and on. The list goes on. Great work by Pat Verbeek, but this is what it means to be the GM of the Pittsburgh Penguins when Sidney Crosby plays for them. And Ron Hextel understands it, and I, th- I think that was proof today. All right, well, I'll tell you what. Let's try uh, take two, shall we, with Jonas Siegel. I think he's on standby. Do we have him now? Hello. There yes. we go. Yes. yes. All righty. The All first win right, of the day, baby. Yeah, there we go. Jonas Siegel, a busy man, of course, who covers the Toronto Maple Leafs as part of our uh, terrific crew that covers Toronto. Uh, Never a shortage of things to talk about, but let's start with the idea. A lot of us thought, Jonas, that Kyle Dubas needed to go out and get a goaltender. So explain to us the rationale. Uh, You listened, I'm sure, to Dubas' availability uh, this evening. Explain to us why Toronto didn't make a move for a goalie. Well, I think they basically looked around at everything that was out there and came to the conclusion that nothing outside of Marc-Andre Fleury was definitively better and or and or worth the price. So, like, you could go for a sideways option, and we looked at, like, every different goaltender in Toronto that they could potentially acquire, and it's like, are these guys that much better than what they have? And I think they basically decided, no, not necessarily, and not worth paying for, and then there's trying to fit it under the cap. So there are all these working parts for them, and they basically just came around to the conclusion that they have to hope, you know, that Jack Campbell finds his game again. Like, that's kind of their only choice. And, like, that's that's the conclusion I came to a few weeks ago, and then it was like watching that outdoor game. It was like, they can't possibly just, like, roll the dice with this, can they? But, like, it's a salary cap, and, like, there's just not that many guys out there, and this is kind of where they're at. Was was Satella getting claimed on waivers? Something <laughs> anticipated, or or was that just like did that did that come out of left field? Were they ready for that? I mean, they're ready for that, but the, like if if you're depending on Harry Sateri <laughs> when you anything, you're you're probably pooched. And that's that's kind of like we, we in Toronto. I'm I'm sure you guys know we we sort of obsess about like little tiny details. Um, but the bigger issue is that, you know, there, there just wasn't a guy out there outside of Marc-Andre Fleury. And obviously they talked to, to Chicago about Marc-Andre Fleury, didn't like the price. And, and it, if they get Marc-Andre Fleury, they probably can't get Mark Giordano. So like, there's a lot of like moving parts in, in the air for them, unless they decided to sit Jake Muzzin for the rest of the season, which they weren't prepared to do. And I'm not even sure, actually not, I'm not sure it would not have made sense for them to sit Jake Muzzin the rest of the year. So that's kind of a non-starter. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of where they're at. Uh, you, you know, you mentioned Jake Muzzin. I'm curious, Jonas, about the uh, defense pairings now that Mark Giordano is going to be in the mix. So uh, take us through like in an ideal world, game one of the Stanley cup playoffs for Toronto. If everybody's healthy, the six defensemen, who are they? And what do they look like? Oh man. I, you know, I'm obsessed with this stuff. Like I could just like, play on these combinations like who plays with who and like what it looks like I don't know and I don't think they know at this point like part of it is is Muzzin's not back yet and they just lost Rasmus Sandin to a knee injury and it's not really clear how long he'll be out it kind of feels like he could be out the rest of the regular season when when Muzzin's back they have like some questions do they want to put Mark Giordano back with TJ Brody obviously those guys have like as extensive a history as you could possibly have all those years in Calgary, do they want to play Mark Giordano with someone else? Do they want to play him with Justin Hall? Do they want to put TJ Brody back with Morgan Riley? I think what's good for them now is they have options 
like they can go in a lot of different directions. And, and the way I look at it is like on every pair, they can kind of have a guy that you're comfortable being out there, like one trustworthy guy, at least on each pair. Like you can have Riley on the ice at all times or Muzzin or Giordano. And then there's Brody. And so suddenly you look at their defense and like, there's not as many guys that you think in a playoff series, like, I don't really know if that guy, I trust that guy being out there. Um, So I think they're in a better spot than they were. Uh, But like Muzzin remains a a really big question mark. Like there's coming back from a concussion, multiple concussions. And then it's like, is he going to be better than he was before he got hurt? And I don't know. He's, he's 33. He's had a lot of injuries. Is Colin Blackwell going to last in the second line? How long long is it going to work? Like, is that that just like a dead day one experience experiment? What's going on? So he didn't practice today. Neither did Giordano. So we'll see where he ends up sliding in. Like it kind of sounds like that's in the cards. Like Sheldon Keith brought up today, the fact that he scored at a 20 goal pace the last couple of years. And, and he and Kyle Dubas like both brought up the fact that he's not just an energy guy. He's got some skill to his game. And they've had this like gaping problem on the left wing of their second line for basically a couple months now. They've tried everyone. Nothing is really stuck. And honestly, like I've, I've obsessed about that spot a lot. But really, like they just need William Nylander and John Tavares to play better than they have. Like those are two of their highest paid players. They're two of their best players. I mean, we can point at that third wheel all we like, but if those two guys aren't playing at their height or maximum level, it, it doesn't really matter. Uh, I'll tell you what, before we let you go here, Jonas, uh, something we do on the Monday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show, we play a little game called Multiple Choice Madness. I got a multiple choice question to ask you to wrap it up. Okay, We're going to fast forward to the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, which member of the Toronto Maple Leafs organization, Jonas, is sitting on the hottest seat on night one of the Stanley Cup playoffs? Is it Kyle Dubas, Sheldon Keefe, Mitch Marner, John Tavares, or Jack Campbell? Who's got the hottest seat? Dubas, so, Keefe, Marner, Tavares, Campbell. I love games, so I will play yeah. this game all day. I think, like, you could go with any of those guys, and I don't think any of those answers are wrong, but it, it has to be Campbell. I mean, with what's gone on this year, with the pressure that he's put on himself. Um, the highs he's had this year, like we were at one point in like November talking about this guy for the Vesna, the U S Olympic team. And it's like, they're they're. I mean, this is hockey. Like if, if your goalie doesn't play well, you're kind of like pooched. So I'll go with Campbell, but I don't think any of those answers are wrong. All right, I got to start incorporating pooch into my daily vocabulary. <laughs> weird it's weird. I don't actually use the I word that much. No, that's I, must be my brain is mushy and that's the word that just keeps coming to mind yeah because you're because you're because you're trying not to swear because you've been up for 14 hours or hurt terrific stuff hey jonas listen thanks for dropping by the live show uh we always appreciate that uh, your contributions here and uh, certainly we look forward to uh, reading all about uh, the maple leafs on deadline day in the athletic thanks for this and uh, and have a great night thanks guys all right there goes uh, jonas siegel i think uh i'm just some moving parts here i think we're gonna go to arthur staple if I'm not mistaken here. Yeah. We're going to go to Arthur's state, but look at this. Boom. Just like that. Arthur. We bring him in. Uh, he is our uh, senior New York uh, hockey writer and uh, never a dull moment uh, in New York. And certainly I, I'm, um, I know you've got to, to run to a, what is it? A, a press conference here that you got to get to shortly. Eventually. So, but, yeah. Okay. But let's, let's shoehorn this in. Let's, let's look at the Rangers. There's people who think that they're a Stanley cup contender. There's some people who think they're a, a pretender. I want to know after the deadline, how should we view the New York Rangers? Better than before, uh, I'd have to say, you know, if the one 
flaw in their game or one of the major flaws was just not having enough forward depth where you saw guys like Dryden Hunt and Julian Gauthier who are basically glorified AHLers getting pretty regular minutes and sometimes in the top six. Uh, the moves that they made over the last few days, starting with Frank Vitrano coming in from Florida for a fourth round pick. And then today, um, Andrew Kopp, a big addition from Winnipeg and Tyler Mott, kind of a, a smaller addition, but certainly a guy who's better than what they've got. So three forwards that can go right into their lineup. And there's not a lot of teams that, that are headed to the playoffs that can say, hey, let's pick up three regular NHLers and put them right in our lineup. The Rangers can. And then Justin Braun for maybe a little insurance on D because their defense has been a little shaky. So it seems like a lot to add for a team that's uh, top 10 in the league, but uh, but they all seem to fit and it seems to make a lot of sense that they didn't give up any of their prime prospects and maybe not even a first round pick, depending on what happens. Where, where does Kopp fit in? Is he, is he a third center or is he like a center? Is he like a second line right winger? Like what's the, what's the ideal fit for him for them? You, you could list off a few more spots. I think <laughs> he's still just, just keep going. Uh, he could play top line right wing with Chris Kreider and Mika Zibanejad tomorrow night in Jersey, and it wouldn't look that strange. This is a guy that, you know, I think when they were first investigating JT Miller and that was going on for a while, it made a lot of sense because here's a guy who can play center, he can play wing, power play, do some penalty kill, win some faceoffs. They need guys that can do a lot. And Cop is maybe like a, 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 you know, a B, B, B plus version of JT Miller. Obviously, he's a, he's a pending UFA, and they have some serious cap issues coming uh, this offseason. But he's certainly a guy that, if he does what they hope he can do down the stretch and in the playoffs, whether it's third-line center, third-line wing alongside Philip Heedle, second-line wing with, with Ryan Strom, maybe if you need him, or fourth-line guy to just go out and, and tough it out, play some PK. If he can do all that uh, and he fits in well, he's a guy you could see them trying to keep around. I, I know they have some issues, and they got to sign Ryan Strom, and they're going to need a number two center uh for the long term but uh but cop is a guy that that gives you a lot of options in the short term and a lot of options in the long term that's why it's such a good addition you know arthur i think a lot of people would look at igor shesterkin and say not only is he a legitimate vesna trophy candidate but maybe a potential heart trophy candidate too and that has made uh alexander georgiev somewhat expendable and i'm curious was his name ever really in play for something that happened at the deadline or do the rangers just feel like you know what we might need two goalies here let's revisit this in the summertime I'm sure they would have traded him if there was some sort of market for him. And from what I've heard back in December, they had a deal in place with Arizona and it wasn't for much of a return. It was for a very low level goalie prospect from the Coyotes. Uh, and that got scuttled because Shesterkin got hurt. And so then Georgiev played for a few weeks. He was okay. Went back to his number two goalie spot. And, uh, you know, he's not the most positive, hasn't had the most positive attitude. It's tough to be a backup in this league when you think you should be a number one. He's still a young guy. Uh, so the writing was on the wall for him to be out of here in the summer. I'm sure he wanted to be out of here before then, but really the way that he's played outside of last night where he stood on his head and played one of, had one of the best goalie performances of the season when he shut out Carolina, um, there really just wasn't enough that he showed that any team that needs a goalie going forward here would say, we're going to commit an asset for this guy. And really, uh, if you're not going to get anything back for him, why give him up? Like you said, you, you may need someone. If they lose Shesterkin, they're screwed. So that's not even a question. But there's 19 games left. There's a few back-to-backs. You want to give this Shesterkin a break before you get to the playoffs. So so Georgiev is stuck. The Rangers are stuck with him. And it'll, they'll part ways in the summer for nothing in all likelihood. So, uh, you know, probably they, they would have hoped that they would have gotten something for him, but uh, just didn't work out. I figured he punched his ticket with that game last night. He was unbelievable. 
I, th- I thought yeah. that was gonna be the most like fortuitously timed game by a backup goalie in like NHL history where, where, where he was going to net them something. Vegas was going to lose their mind and overpay for him. That clearly wasn't the case. Maybe in like 1988, if there was no, <laughs> no, nothing you could watch on TV where you got a scout with like a phone, like a dial up phone in the press box. And he calls his GM and says, we got to get this guy. Maybe, <laughs> but not now. Hey, listen, before we let you go here, because like I said, I know you got something to cover here in a couple of minutes. Uh, as you look he- ahead to the playoffs, and right now, boy, I feel like the Atlantic and, and the Metro divisions are so tough. If you had to look at the ideal first-round opponent for the New York Rangers, who would it be? Uh, probably Pittsburgh. You know, I think that's a weird one to say because the Rangers and Penguins, uh, you know, have had some history. Penguins have gotten the better of them. Rangers have gotten the better of the Penguins sometimes. And it's been a while, obviously, since the Rangers have been in the playoffs, so it's hard to gauge. But you know, I've covered the Islanders the last few years and the Islanders uh, have kind of made the Penguins look uh, not old and slow, but kind of old and, and out of it. And certainly their goaltending has been suspect. The Penguins stood pat in goal. They're, they're going to go with Tristan Jari, who's having a great year, but had a terrible playoff uh, last spring. And the Rangers have the best goalie in the league. So I think as far as playoff matchups go, and especially Psyche going into a playoff, uh, the Rangers would have a pretty big edge going in against Pittsburgh, even with Crosby with Malkin, with Latang, um, you know, it, it's easy to forget that those guys really haven't won a playoff round in a few years. So uh, I think Sean remembers, but, but not many other. I, I, many. I, I do have a question. Are you rooting for Rangers penguins to happen? So you have to come to town and hang out because I'm, I'm down. That's good. You know, we we really, need that to happen. I wasn't going to bring it up, but that's really my ulterior motive here. So <laughs> since I can't, since I can't go to Ottawa, it's next best thing. There we go. Love it. Hey, Steve, thanks for doing this. And uh, look, look, we look forward to uh, to reading all about uh, what the Rangers did uh, today in uh, in the Athletic here tomorrow. Thanks so much for doing this. Thanks, guys. See you. All right. All right. There goes uh, Arthur Staple. We've got uh, Bill Lindsay on deck. Uh, we've got uh, Peter Baugh as the Avalanche and the, and the, uh, the Panthers have done uh, some things here. But before we get to them, Sean, we're going to take a little break. We'll be right back. It's a live edition of the Athletic Hockey Show Trade Deadline. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Here we go. We're back at it. It's Ian Mendes, John Gentilly with you live here. Uh, the Athletic Hockey Show trade deadline extravaganza. We've got Bill Lindsay, Peter Baugh coming up here in a second. But real quick, Sean, the comment section, we do invite our listeners and sorry, viewers. So actually, this is uh, I, I keep forgetting. We're actually on uh, camera here. Viewers, uh, drop into the comment section. If you've got questions for us, your Jawbreaker shirt, man, <laughs> uh, blowing it up. See now. So what, what what's the backstory here? Uh, it's a band that I think anybody who's paid attention to me on the internet for any portion of the last 10 years is probably probably not surprised to hear that I like. Yeah. Shout out to James Chang. He knows what's up. It is on there brand. You go. 
That's right. See, I thought it was like you were. I, I see if I, I, I'm a big fan of Gobstoppers, mm-hmm. the Willy Wonka Gobstoppers. I should I mean, have. Hold, hold on a second. Any, yeah. any of the Willy Wonka candy family, I'm down with. More of a nerds guy than the nerds, yeah. But that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Laffy oh, taffy, man, I could go on. anything at all, really. Yeah, I could go on. I'm sure. I'm sure Bill Lindsay's in the waiting room. He's like, what? I, I did not agree to come on to talk about Willy Wonka stuff, but fire, uh, he did fire beware, to my friend. To talk about, to talk about the Florida Panthers. Uh, do we have uh, Bill Lindsay uh, all set? Look at this. Boom. Look, there look he is. we're talking about Willy Wonka. Guy rolls in with a Mickey Mouse shirt. I think we're Perfect. good to go. I got Mickey today. <laughs> love it, man. Love it. Love it. Hey, listen, Bill, thanks for doing this. And this is exciting because I think for a lot of fans, the Florida Panthers are an exciting team. If if you're if your favorite team is out of the playoffs, I think a lot of people are kind of pulling on uh, or jumping on the Panthers bandwagon. Can you give our viewers a sense of the excitement level here? after they pick up Ben Schrott, after they pick up Claude Giroux, like they've pushed all their chips in the middle of the table and there must be a lot of excitement in South Florida right now. Through the roof. We haven't seen it in a long time. We had the really good year last year, finally able to back it up with another good season this year. The core that they built around Barkov, Hubro, and Ekblad. Bill Zito's made some really good changes to this hockey team and he had some salary cap flexibility this year going into the trade deadline. Ownership group, gave the green light and said, go ahead, let's do this. Let's go and see what we can do with it. You only get so many chances to win the Stanley Cup. We needed a veteran defenseman, someone that preferably shot left-handed. Ben Schrott fits that bill. He's big, sturdy, can eat up minutes. So we're glad to have him on our team. That was that was priority number one, in my opinion, that you've got some experience back on the blue line. So they addressed that immediately. And then you had some room left over if you want to make the splash for Claude Giroux. We had so we had a hole in our top six that needed to be filled. Someone to play a long bark off. And Claude Giroux comes in and he checks off a lot of boxes. He we're bad in the face-off circle. We're 29th in the NHL in the face-off circle. Giroux's one of the best, if not the best. Bergeron, but Drew's over 60% this year, which is a real, real value to this team. And he can kill penalties, play on the power play. We got top nine forwards that are legit. Our fourth line will grind it out. They can punch in the face. We'll punch right back. It's that kind of scenario. Uh, They can play it fast. Uh, Whatever kind of, if you want to grind it out, muck it up. This Panther team has all the abilities and traits to do everything that you want to do to be a Stanley Cup champion. The one question mark, Sergei Bobrovsky, can he make the saves when it matters most? He's been able to do it during the regular season. Can he do it in the playoffs? And it's pretty much the same for this whole Panther team. Can they answer the bell when the playoffs come upon us? We've seen Alexander Barkov click with a lot of players who are a lot worse than Claude Giroux, (laughs) right? So that, to me, you know, as someone who really enjoys watching the Panthers, like I'm just, you know, my mind's racing at the the thought of those guys consistently playing together, right? It it, it should be a lot of fun. But as someone who's, gosh, watched so much Barkov over the years, you got to be – your mind's got to be, you know, churn, ch- churning at the thought of, uh, of of those two guys playing together because they seem like they're a perfect fit. Yeah, just for the, the playmaking ability of both those guys and Barkov to play both ends of the rink. So to come in there and you have that top line, who wrote Declare Bennett, get Verhage. Verhage's underrated. The stuff that he's able to do with his speed, and all of a sudden you get Barkov and Giroux on a line. Those guys, this Panther team can play with pace. It plays with speed. They play the four lines. They're top guys. They preferably get them around 18 minutes, get that fourth line around 12 minutes, and just go and just try and blitz you. 
shift after shift and basic philosophy is try and keep up with us for three periods. See if you can do it. See if you can hang with us. And most team around most teams around the NHL can't hang with the Panthers for three periods when they're playing their best hockey. It's simply not possible. They are that much better than everyone else across the board. And this was before the Drew trade. So having Drew with Barkoff, that is just, yeah, you can't, <laughs> it is exciting uh, to get this, this group and this band together to see Barkoff's going to love it. Drew's going to love it down in South Florida. There's a buzz like there's never been before around this hockey team. Most talented team we've ever iced in the history of the franchise. So we'll see what happens when playoffs roll around. Uh, what, what do you think it means to the fan base too? Like Claude Giroux handpicked Florida, right? Obviously it mm-hmm. sounded like some other teams, Colorado might've been interested, but he basically went to the flyers and said, it's Florida or nothing. And I'm wondering for a franchise that hasn't won a playoff round. I mean, really since you were there as, yep. as an active player, uh, what, what does that mean to get that type of seal of approval that he he's thinking he's only picking Florida? Cause he think that's his best chance of winning his Stanley cup. means a lot. For a veteran player that hasn't won a cup, it means a lot for Giroux to come in here into this locker room and have belief. And the big product that you see on the ice for the Florida Panthers is a lot what's happening off the ice with the chemistry that's been built in the dressing room, bringing Patrick Hornquist, bringing Joe Thornton in. These guys play for one another. They play for the guy beside them. And there's so much internal competition for ice time. They're really afraid to let the guy down beside them. So it's a group that's really developed a a friendship off the ice and a real competitive spirit off the ice. So when you can bring someone in, Claude Giroux, that has that kind of leadership abilities, has been a captain on a team for a long, long time, that really helps this club in that dressing room that's so strong. So I I believe he's coming into a situation that he knows has got a really strong core nucleus, a, a dressing room that kind of fits his bill as far as guys that want to get something together that they want to go to the Joe Thornton hasn't won a Stanley cup either. And he's another guy that came in the off season that wanted to go to the Panthers because they, he believed that they had a shot at winning a Stanley cup. So to have someone Claude Giroux pick us and believe in our team, that speaks volumes of where we've come. You mentioned 96, the last time we've won a Stanley or sorry, won a playoff series. It speaks volumes of what they've been able to do the last couple of years. This franchise has been begging for some consistency. Uh, uh, this, All these young good players, and they've been begging for consistency. Playoffs last year, can you back it up and get in? So now the next evolution for this team is to win a playoff round and chase that cup. Is there, is there concern on your part? I mean, you're look, there's worse pro- – those are champagne problems when you're talking about incorporating Claude Giroux into a lineup, right? Ben Chirot, whatever. Robert Haig, these are these are mm-hmm. fine players. Is there concern on your part in terms of incorporating those three guys in the fly into a team that's been pretty unbelievable so far already? Uh, not really, because you look at the top six. We've in a bunch of players in that top fit, uh, top six. We've had Vitrano in there. We've had Tippett in there. We've had Maxine Mammon in that top six. Uh, we've uh, Reinhardt's been up there, but he's better suited with Lundell and Marchment on that third line. That that third line's really clicked with Reinhardt down there. So we've had an evolution of guys in that top six forward role. So Claude Giroux comes in. We need a piece there. So Claude Giroux comes in. Yeah, it fits in because there's already been a, a surplus of players that have played in that position. So they've been able to move those players out, put Drew in. It's a natural fit. 
Brandon Montour on the blue line. He's had to play with Yolevi, Nudavara, Lindbaum. Uh, you just keep going down the list. He's had to play with all kinds of different pairings. I'm not sure if he's going to play with Montour at the start, but Montour's had to play with a bunch of different guys. And if you can get the six intact, ideally down the stretch, you'd like to have Montour or whoever Montour's going to play with have some consistency with him for the last 20 games going into the playoffs. So there's another piece that was missing. They've been having experiment after experiment in those roles. And then for the extra guys that have played a lot that are still here for the Maxine Mammons uh, that are on board, Lynn Bohm that we signed, we've had guys that have played a lot and played in those roles up and down the lineup. So if there are injuries, you can plug and place holes, but there were natural fits for both Giroux and Sherratt in this lineup. Uh, and a final one for you is you talk about Brandon Montour, maybe trying to find the, the proper D partner and uh, Sherratt coming in. Uh, how much concern is there about Aaron Ekblad, who is uh, out kind of, uh, I guess they're saying week to week or uh, could be indefinitely. How much concern is there, uh, Bill, about uh, Aaron Ekblad, who arguably is should be the Norris uh, conversation every season right now? Yeah, there's definitely a huge concern because of what happened last year. He wasn't available in that first round. He had that really catastrophic leg injury that he rehabbed really hard just to get ready for this season. And he wasn't available for Tampa Bay last year in the first round. So he has that injury. And all you could think about when I was watching it, going back to last year, and like, can we, is this happening again? So they came out and said there's no structural damage, but it does seem that maybe he's going to be paid place on long-term IR and the hope is to get him back right available hopefully when the playoffs start but there is yeah that's hearkening back to last year that is something the Panther fans or no one wants to see is Aaron Ekblad not available for that first round playoff series so hopefully he recovers quickly and gets back but it doesn't seem that it's it, it's not the case what it was last year where it was the broken leg and something that you knew he wasn't going to be back in the playoffs. It looks like there is a chance for him to be back. Well, terrific stuff. Bill Lindsay, uh, Florida Panthers uh, radio analyst, NHL Network studio analyst. Thanks for dropping by this live edition of the Athletic Hockey Show trade deadline. And listen, we're hoping, fingers crossed, I think if you don't have a horse in the race, how can you not cheer for the Florida Panthers? So I think a lot of us are, are hoping they go uh, really far, but I appreciate you uh, dropping by and spending a few minutes with us. Yeah, thanks, guys. Enjoy the show and uh, enjoy the stretch run. The playoffs always great. Great time of year, so enjoy it. Thank you very much. All right, thank you. There goes Bill Lindsay. Like I said, uh, Panthers radio analyst, NHL Network studio analyst. Uh, we're going to take a break, but before we do, got some more comments to read uh, from the these inbox. We love these. And you know what? I, I like this one from Chris, uh, who writes in, loving the live podcast energy. It'd be neat to get another one of these as a playoff preview. So, you know, probably six weeks from now. Maybe we do this. We bring oh, down both Brown that, in. Is that, are, we right? that, are we that close already? It's six yeah, weeks. Isn't it? Is it less? I feel like it's less. Yeah, it's about it's about six weeks. First week of uh first week of May, right? We'll be the same. I like this. Playoffs. I like this from Anthony. Ian has one of those generic faces that can match any face. It has a tone that makes you want to listen and believe in his message. Wait, how do I have a generic face? No, it's a generic voice. You have a generic voice. Okay, you do not gonna, have a generic face. I was gonna face. say, I don't know that I <laughs> I, I have a generic, generic face. face. I don't know. Is there such thing as a generic face? I don't think so. Oh yeah, of course. Look, come on. I'm like, I'm like, uh, I'm like a creative player. I'm like, oh, I'm like man. bearded white guy number three on, <laughs> on like on, uh, on Madden or I, something. I appreciate that, Anthony, because I'll tell you what. I've worked 20 years in broadcasting, most like mostly in television, a little bit in uh, in radio. To be told that your voice is generic is about the highest compliment. The highest you can get. compliment. I don't possible. know. 
if you can say a nicer thing to me other than you have a generic voice. I love it. Congratulations on your non-regional diction, Ian Mendez. You're yeah. doing a wonderful, you're doing a wonderful job. <laughs> I love it. Thank you, Anthony. Thank you, Chris, everybody that's tuning in. Like I said, we're gonna take one more break. We're gonna come back. And you know, before we get to Peter Baugh's take on the abs and what they did, I think we need to drill down a little bit on some of his hot food takes that have kind of been creeping oh, into no. his timeline. Right? I missed I missed this. He's been he's been a little iffy with some food takes lately. And uh, anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll talk to him about that and then everything that the Avalanche did. We'll get right back to it again. You're uh, watching a live edition of the Athletic Hockey Show Trade Deadline Special. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. And we welcome you right back live to the uh, Athletic Hockey Show Trade Deadline Extravaganza. Ian Mendes, Sean Gentilly with you. And uh, this is perfect. We're coming right out of that ad for Freshly. We're talking food. I'm telling you, I don't know how you missed this, Sean. But Peter Baugh, who does a terrific job covering the Colorado Avalanche, he, uh, our guy's been taking some heat lately. Uh, he said wings, Where am I? How chicken am I? wings are the most overrated food I think ever. He took a run. He took a side swipe at sushi at one point. Let's bring him in and ask him, Peter Baja, uh, what would, of all your hot takes with food in the last like six weeks, what was the one tweet that angered people the most? Was it the chicken wings are the most overrated food? What was the, what yeah. was the thing that agitated people? Well, the chicken wings, I, I tweeted that from Buffalo. The wind really got oh. me. I was a little, I was, I was, I was a little grumpy. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think. All right, wait, did, hold, hold on a second. Yeah. Were you like at a specific place in Buffalo or were you just in the environment of Buffalo and thought you I was just in is? the environment and I believe it. I mean, look, to quote the great philosopher Lizzo, <laughs> truth hurts. And I think this is one of those situations. I just think that, I don't think wings are bad. They're just more efficient, less messy, 
better tasting ways to eat chicken. And yeah, pineapple on pizza, Ian, was one that really got people going too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love it. Anyway, listen, you're a great follow on Twitter because I, I and I love the, the, the hockey, the media people that show some personality and it's not just here are the line combinations for the Colorado Avalanche. And I, I love it. I love what you do. Uh, but let's, let's, let's listen. The reason why we brought you on was to talk hockey. Um, I mean, we don't, we don't, hey, ha- not- hold on a second. We don't have to talk hockey. That's we, a can, we can keep it. We, we can, can get his Willy Wonka. Talking hockey. We can, can get his would, Willy Wonka. Would, I'm way more interested in talking about wings than, you know, the Avalanche's middle six or whatever. We're going to talk about <laughs> Peter here. Like, so I'll, I'll pretend that I'm interested in that, yeah. but yeah. Whatever. Okay. But let, let's, let's start there with, uh, with Joe Sackick on deadline day. Obviously I think there was a little bit of pressure on him to do something in the last 48 hours or so, how are Avalanche fans feeling? If there was a trade grade to be given to the Avs GM, uh, what would it be? Well, I actually, I, so I put out a Twitter poll um, just to like see, see what people were feeling. And I, I tweeted like A through F. And I, I think the poll had a, I think like most of the people were clicking B on the selection. So I think most people think he did a, a pretty good job. And I'd, I'd agree with them. I think it'll, we'll kind of see how it all plays out come playoff time. but. Um, I mean, if you look at, they solidified their bottom six um, with Lackanen, they, and Nico Sturm and Andrew. Uh, oh gosh, I'm blanking on his last name. He's played like 1,200 NHL Pugmano. games. Yeah, why can't I think of his name? It's been a long day. I've been Because he's because he's 15 years older than you are or whatever at this point. That's, that's true. Um, then, yeah, they got Cogliana and then they got Josh Manson, who's been really good in his first two games with the Avs. So it's, you, they kind of had a, well-rounded trade deadline where they gave up a lot, but maybe not as much as they could have. They kept their 2023 first round pick. They missed out on Claude Giroux, but it wasn't for a lack of trying. So I, I think that if you look at what they did, I think overall it was a pretty productive trade deadline for Joe Sackick. Does Sackick get a B for just not being on Giroux's list? Like is like it, that's not, that's not his fault. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I mean, I guess, See, like B to me is like, that's a good trade deadline. You did a good job. I mean, A is like you trade two seconds and get Devontae's. Yeah, like it's that's like, fair. <laughs> kind of like a fleecing. So um, so I, I, I think a B is probably a fair grade. Like it was a good job. He did about as well as could have been expected, but he didn't do anything, didn't make any credit. But then again, like Nico Sturm could win the Conn Smythe and then it'll be an A in retrospect. Um, is, is, is this what, okay, so, so we'd heard for weeks that the Avs were kind of, Gonna reject or their bottom six. Is this what it was? Is this what you were thinking when a, when a month ago we were talking about moves that they're that they gonna make? Is is this extent getting yeah. Lekin in and, and whoever else? I mean, that's a that's a major overhaul. Yeah, I mean, I think you look at they had Tyson Jost, who's been a pretty consistent presence in that bottom six for the last few years. They moved him out and brought in Nico Sturm, who's great on faceoffs, who's really good um defensively and is bigger has more physical frame maybe less of an offensive ceiling than Jost but like for what they need him to do is probably a better fit for this team um and then they brought in someone who can bring a lot to the third line and I think that if you look at like the avalanche obviously the top line's been unbelievable for the last few years the second line has been really good this year but the third line is kind of where it's like maybe you can have some more offense and this gives you some flexibility of you could have a line of Lekkanen, new hook comfort which is a really um, hard to play against, but offensively capable third line. And it allows you to move Logan O'Connor down to the fourth line. So I think it gives the Avs some flexibility. And I think it probably is exactly what, I mean, obviously adding a Claude Giroux would have been quite, 
quite an upgrade like that. That's kind of a game changer and they couldn't do that. So this was probably around the next best thing they could do. And they got a guy who has term and who they can have beyond this season. You know, Peter, when you get into trade deadline time and you have pending unrestricted free agents, there's always the narrative from the fans and media. Either you got to trade this guy or you got to sign him. Nassim Kadri is having an unbelievable season. Uh, I think we all agree there's no way they could trade him because they've got legitimate Stanley Cup aspirations. But like, where do you see this going in the summertime? And is there any scenario in which you can see Nazem Kadri staying in Denver beyond this season? Yeah, I think there's a definite scenario. I think it, it comes down to what he wants. It comes down to what they hit him and his representation get the sense of as the market out there, which I think, I mean, realistically, there's going to be someone who's willing to pay a lot of money and probably more than is smart to play a guy on the older side of 30. Like it, it someone will, will probably pony up and give Kadri a lot of money. But I think that um, all things considered, I, I think that if, if Sackett can negotiate with him in the window between when the playoffs end and when, um, and when free agency begins, maybe they can get something done. I think it will be very difficult to keep the entire second line together of Nichushkin, Kadri, and Burakovsky. I don't know which ones leave or which ones stay, but that's three players having, I mean, I think career best scoring years, all of whom are unrestricted free agents and who have been excellent for that. So I think there certainly is a sense of urgency of like, this team is not going to look the same next year. It's still going to be really good, but it's not going to have quite the same forward punch that it does this year. Well, I'll tell you what, I, I don't, I got one more for you here because I actually we're going to jump to Haley Salvian in a second. We're going to go from one first place team in the West to another. But before we do, I want to ask you this. Finishing in first is obviously the ideal scenario. But in the West, finishing in first this year, you might end up in a date with the Vegas Golden Knights. And I'm wondering, what would the feeling be in, in Colorado and in Denver, Peter, if round one, it's Vegas and the Avs? I mean, I... I... I would enjoy it. It would be good for me. Good storylines. Very fun. Um, all for that. Uh, it, it, I think it would maybe bring back some nerves. I think the players are mature enough to know that it's a different team than last year. But maybe it's one of those things where if you go down 2-1, all of a sudden the like thoughts creep back in your head. But I think Vegas is a drastically <laughs> different team than it was last year. I'm not saying better or worse. We're, it's kind of like TBD, right? We don't know. Um, but certainly they don't have the same forward depth, even if they have maybe more star power. We don't know if Mark Stone's back is going to cooperate and like what level he's going to be playing at. Um, so I think there's Vegas has about as high a ceiling as any team in the NHL, but it also has as low a floor as I mean, they could miss the playoffs this year. You don't it's it's a weird situation. So I, I think that. Colorado would probably be favored and rightfully so. And I guess if they were to play him at any point, the first round is probably the time to catch him out where they're maybe still like working some of this late season funk out of them. And maybe Robin Leonard is just coming off the injury rather than having some time to settle in. So it's definitely interesting that they could get the, their like arch nemesis in the first round, but that's all, that's all. It could be a lot of fun too. Yeah. Well, listen, Peter, thanks for this. You just saw his Twitter handle there, Peter underscore uh, underscore Baugh. Follow him for everything related to the Avs and for some hot food takes. Oh, as well. And speaking of hot food takes, hot food, bad. Spicy food, not good. I'll leave you with that. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. That's Peter Baugh. Mic drop. Mic drop. Hey, listen, thanks for doing this. There he goes. He is the Avalanche beat reporter, Peter Baugh. Have a feeling that the Avs are going to go uh, pretty deep into the plus and hey listen they might end up meeting maybe in the conference final the calgary flames and i think we've got 
Uh, the usual Monday co-host of the Athletic Hockey Show. I think we've got her. She's in the airport because I can see the aeroplane sign over her left shoulder. It's Haley oh, Salvian. No. There she is. Have you been mobbed at the airport? People say, oh, my gosh, I saw you on Trade Center. You were awesome. Oh, my God. Sorry. There, it was so quiet. I thought I found a spot. Now, of course, there's, like, a flight announcement. Uh, no, I haven't been mobbed. I don't think anyone knows who I am. I changed into my comfy clothes, so we're good. Oh, wait, that's that's what the announcement is, actually. Everyone's saying there's a there, there's a celebrity by hey. Gate B7. Yeah, I, I left on TV the sticker. Um, they put a TSN sticker on my laptop, and I left it on. So I'm sitting here with the sticker, like in the middle of the airport. I didn't find a quiet spot. I sat in the busiest uh, area with my TSN sticker, hoping people would look at it and be like, "Hey, didn't I see you on TV today?" Yeah, I love it. Yeah. I love it. Hey, listen, I love, I love that. I love people talking to me. Yeah, but hey, you did a great. I only saw one segment. You just knocked, like you did with the Olympics. You knocked it out of the park. You're you're just natural on uh, on television. It was great. Uh, Ian, if, if if you if you saw one segment, you don't know. Yeah, she could have flubbed the other ones. Okay, I've got to say, I watched no, all no. Of them. Yeah, that's nice. Um, the first segment wasn't very good. I was actually kind of nervous. The final two segments weren't very good because my brain stopped working because it was seven hours of television. And I was like, I think I blacked out for four hours. Um, the middle was pretty good. <laughs> the middle was the the sweet spot. So hopefully that's what you saw, Ian. I, I, I think it is. I think it is what I saw right, uh, <laughs> right in the middle. Okay. We just had Peter Baugh on. He talked about uh, the avalanche, adding some pieces here. Uh, I know that Brad True Living did some of his work ahead of the deadline, Haley, and, and especially in getting Tyler to Foley. Um, but you've written about like, the, hey, they got to be aggressive. This is the year you don't know what's going to happen in the summertime. Uh, now that the deadline has come and gone, uh, how do you think people should look at the Calgary Flames as a legitimate contender in that in that Western Conference? Well, I think they already were one. I think the Tyler to Foley deal kind of solidified the Flames as one of the top contenders in the Western Conference, and you know they're the team to beat in the Pacific division right now. Um, they're the second best team in the Western conference right now. Who knows what adding Mark Andre Fleury is going to do for the Minnesota wild on paper. He is certainly better, excuse me, than Cam Talbot. Um, but you know, what's Fleury going to look like? He, he hasn't totally been himself this year. So we'll see, um, you know, there's some teams who are trying to make it interesting, but right now it's the abs who are above everybody. And then the Calgary flames and the number two seed in the West. And, I think, you know, what they did at the deadline was just solidified their depth. Um, you know, they I would consider this an aggressive trade deadline by general manager Brad Tree Living, first with the Tafoli trade, and then adding Callie Yarncrope to the mix. He's somebody who, you know, just with one piece gives them so much more flexibility. I think the Flames have struggled for most of the season with their secondary scoring. Um, they had you know, the most productive line in the NHL for three quarters of the year, but that was kind of their only line that was consistently clicking and adding to Foley and Yarncroke right away. Daryl Sutter was able to shake up those lines. He split up the best line in the league. Um, and what he did was he put Tyler to on that top line to give that, you know, Johnny Gaudreau and Elias Lindholm, uh, another guy who can score on the right side. And then he put, Michael Backlund and Matthew Kachuk back together and Dylan Dubé on that line there to give them some secondary scoring. I say that in quotes because it's Matthew Kachuk, but 
that should be something that can help give Michael Backlund and Dylan Dubé a boost. And then you get Yarn Croke with Coleman and Mangiapane as your kind of shutdown line who can transition defense to offense. And so right there, the Flames are a much deeper team with more lines, at least on paper right now, who can be productive. And certainly those those lines and those combinations worked out when they beat Vancouver on Saturday. When did you learn that Kelly, when did you realize that Kelly Yarncroke was going to be the perfect complement for that team? I'd like to know specific, a date if possible, when you, when you realized that he was a guy. Uh, I don't know if he, I don't know if I, I think I was kind of holding on hope. Like for me, I kind of thought like I went through different phases of the trade deadline. I think when I did my first trade board, uh, I was like, oh, JT Miller's the best. Like, it's probably not going to happen, though. So, like, here's Andrew Kopp instead. And then as you kind of start working through the scenarios and realizing how expensive guys are, and then you start looking at someone like Callie Yarncroke, who, um, you know, is a very Flames-like Daryl Sutter-type player, uh, and you realize how good of a fit he can be. Um, and, yeah, I, I don't know the exact date that I said that he was the guy. That's a weird question. I mean, we're, seriously, were, were, you, were you surprised to see that they were in on Hampus Lindholm and Mark Giordano by a lot of reports? Because those are those are big ticket guys uh, for, to to a group that I don't know. I don't think needed mess with a lot much. Yeah, I think the concern with the decor is that they're like one injury to the top four away from having a guy playing kind of out of his depth. We saw that last week with. Oliver Shillington being out, he missed two games. And Michael Stone, who only played five games this season, got put into the top four. And he was fine. But do you want to be um, in a playoff series against the Colorado Avalanche and have your seventh defenseman on your second pair? Probably not. So that was kind of probably why you saw the rumors of the Flames sniffing around in that sense. Um, I don't know how much I would pay attention to the geo stuff. I don't even really know. I didn't really see that. I didn't really hear that. I don't think that was like a realistic thing. There was no way that the flames were going to be able to fit him under the cap unless they moved a body out who made a significant amount of money because geo makes over $6 million. Um, so that would have been a tough one. Um, I, you know, I also don't want to call it hard feelings, but I also don't think that would be like a super, I don't know. I think, you know, Dan Robson and I wrote a story about Mark Giordano back in December before he was supposed to make his return to Calgary and then the whole schedule got messed up and that didn't end up happening until last month. But, you know, I think there was, it was an emotional kind of take it personally thing about not getting protected in expansion. Like, you know, Gio got it. He knows it's a business and he understood, but I, I don't know if that was something that I don't know if that was a reunion that we were realistically going to see for, um, you know, financial cap and like personal reasons. All right. Listen, I, um, what, t- what time is your flight here? Seven fifty-five. Seven. And what board? Okay. What boarding zone are you? I, I, I don't, do, don't answer that. Yeah. What, no you're what gator one. you're at? Are you what, a number what, one boarding zone here? <laughs> I just need to know that. Why? I, how, how come the Cali yarn croak, Awkward question got answered, but not this one. I just want what boarding but zone. What are you, are you angling at here? I just want to know what boarding zone are you, and then I got a, then I got a final question before we let you go. I know, I'm in I'm, zone I know one. The, I know the answer. I'm in you zone, are zone one. one. Nice. Well, good for you. I didn't. Is there something ahead of zone one? Zone A one? Huh. No, I don't think so. Possibly. I I think so. Zone one. Okay. Um, I want you to answer this question for me now. That now is a real question. Um, I can't hear anything. 
if the Calgary Flames win the Stanley Cup this this spring, um, is it more likely that uh, Johnny Goudreau comes back or less likely? Like, if you were looking at this and saying, what what's the thing that could bring him back? Is it winning a cup or coming really close and not winning a cup? I think it's kind of the same situation, honestly. I think if I think the question is if they lose in the first round versus they make a deep playoff run. Um, I think that I think realistically you're looking at a Flames team who should make the Western Conference final. Um, if they don't, that would mean they were upset by somebody who hasn't been as good as them all season. Um, you know, whether that's in the first round, looking at I guess it depends on how the wild card ends up being. Like they should not have a problem with the Vegas Golden Knights. That team has been decimated by injury and they've been a disaster. Um, sorry, Lazarus is saying that I'm hogging all the time. I guess yeah. he really wants to come in and chat about the what did he what did Chicago even do? I don't know. Flurry. Uh, oh right. <laughs> he can take my place. That's fine. If 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 he, if, if he wants to tag yeah, in, let's Laz go. Yeah, really wants this much airtime. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go to sleep. Host the damn show. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, that's not even his story. Flurry's not his story. That's. For Russo, Russo to do, and he probably already wrote ten thousand words about it. Um, but no, I think I think for Johnny, it's a lot more complicated than just can the Flames make a deep playoff run. It's can the Flames show Johnny that there's a legitimate future in Calgary, um, and that has a ripple effect with players like Matthew Kachuk as well, who has a ton of you know control over what happens with his next contract he's only one year away from ufa status he's a restricted free agent with arbitration rights this summer so that's a big thing um and if you sign johnny gaudreau to what he realistically earned based on the heart trophy like season that he is having then how much money do you have left over to sign matthew kachuk and sign manji pani and sign oliver shillington so i don't think it's as simple as like if the flames can make a deep playoff run is johnny gaudreau gonna stay i think it's what happens with Johnny and then what happens with everyone else. Um, But I think there's, you know, but then if Johnny leaves, does Matthew Kachuk see a realistic future in Calgary? You know, I think it's going to be a really interesting off season for the Calgary flames. And I think um, what they can show they can do in the postseason is probably going to be an important piece of that. They have not been able to get through the first round of the playoffs in the last six years. Um, That happens again. I feel like there's probably some, you know, I wouldn't, Look, I think Johnny Gaudreau, I believe Johnny Gaudreau when he says he wants to stay in Calgary. I, I really do. But I, I always do wonder what guys think when your team consistently can't get it done. Are you going to look for an opportunity somewhere else? Um, potentially. Is that Johnny? Is that Matthew? I don't know. But it's going to be a really interesting summer for the Flames. All right. Listen, we, we better leave it there because she's a zone one boarding person. And you never know. They might be calling your name. I've got to try to write a story before I board, too. And I, oh, yeah. Then trying to be nice and squeeze you into my schedule. Yeah. <laughs> Look at your face, just full of disdain. I love it. Yeah. Um, all right. Hey, listen, safe <laughs> travels. Again, great work on TSN today. We look forward. Next Monday, it's you and I. We're back in the saddle for the Monday podcast. All right? Oh, right. Oh, okay. right. Oh, man. That sucks. I'll get Sean to co-host next week. There you something. go. All right. There she Bye, goes. Guys. Haley Salvian, uh, terrific uh, writer out of Calgary, did some great work on TSN. And now we've had Mark Lazarus on standby. So let's bring him in. Let's bring him right in. There we go. He does a, uh, a wonderful job covering the Chicago Blackhawks. I think, is he is he on mute though? That's the question. He's not on He's not on mute. I think he might be on a, is he on a swing set or something? Is that, is it, <laughs> is that in the backyard? What are we, what, what are we looking at? 
I'm That's on my grill. patio. There we go. I, 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 I'm however many minutes this segment is away from my first PTO since uh, May. So uh, <laughs> it's the nicest day of the year. I've been stuck inside all day. I'm, I'm going to enjoy myself. I mean, that sounds like a challenge is keep you on as long as we possibly can. Ian, right? for, for your for your benefit, I am United Platinum, which makes me zone one. <laughs> and I am Marriott Lifetime Titanium, which means <laughs> I'm basically a god. When all right, hold on a second. If if anybody who works for this company mentions Marriott points or like flight, an angel gets status, his wings. Do you like no? Do you have like a personal kind of signal that's sent to your phone, lets you know that people are talking about us, so you can just tag in and and uh, and, and talk about it too? Yeah, you, you ever see that when we get into a war, where we start screenshotting how many nights we've stayed in our lives, and then someone like Emily Benjamin, who used to be a baseball writer, just like puts us all in our place. Baseball writers, baby. That's oh, man. that's that's half the perk of the gig. <laughs> exactly. 80, 81 nights on the road. All right. Hey, last. Thanks for doing this. Uh, Kyle Dubish made some comments that uh, certainly drew a lot of attention uh, north of the border, in which he said, "You know, I'm really disappointed that all the Mark Andre Fleury stuff uh, came out," and he kind of pointed the finger at Chicago general manager Kyle Davidson. So I'm curious, what was uh, Chicago's uh, general manager? What was Kyle's? reaction to that and are we gonna have to rent a barn here remember boys with brian burke back in the day kevin Lowe. let's get some gms to throw down like what's the temperature at here right now between these two guys yeah kyle versus kyle 30 yeah. something gm versus 30 something gm let's do it um i i asked davidson about it and he said you know he's aware of the comments and he's gonna take care of that in private which of course everyone on twitter went well why didn't he keep the flurry stuff private <laughs> uh we don't we don't know that stuff came from dubis i mean we've all been in this business long enough to know that leaks come from anywhere and everywhere but it was interesting like you know, you know, Kyle Davidson's the new guy in town. And, you know, he went kind of eyeball to eyeball with Bill Guerin on the flurry thing. And, you know, now he's got Kyle Dubas calling him out. This is not stuff you normally see. And here's the 33-year-old general manager of the Blackhawks taking some heat. So it'll, uh, it's kind of fun to watch. Let's, you know, it's such a cordial old boys network. Let's have a little, let's have a little friction. Let's make a little pro wrestling out of this. I mean, that's the, like you said, it's a 37-year-old versus a 34-year-old. Or whatever we need, yeah. we need we, we need new blood, right? Can only, can, can, can only drag Burke into this for, for so long. Come on. <laughs> yeah, we need we need some fresh hatred, not the old the old the old you know nineteen seventies hatred that nobody even knows about or remembers, but people just hate just because they think they're supposed to. Let's let's get some new blood in here. Yeah, hey, you know what? And but listen, as much as we want to talk Chicago with you, uh, there is a uh, you know winners and losers that uh, that you helped uh, put together with the athletic and. And I think this is a great way for us to end this live show is by us talking about some winners and losers here, lads. So let's get to it. If you were to pick the biggest winner or two out of the trade deadline of this period, uh, who you got? It's the Sunshine State. You got both the Panthers and the Lightning just saying the hell with it. We're going for it this year. And, and that's what you want to see. I mean, I'm, I'm in Chicago, so I know all too well that you know, you'll pay for this down the road. Like Julian Breezebaugh, his his chickens will come home to roost sometime in the future. But who cares if he's got three consecutive Stanley Cup banners hanging from Amelie Arena? That's what you want to see from your GM. You want to see them go for it. You know, some poor Sharks fans in the comments going, but what if you always go for it and you never win? Well, that's when it's really bad. But that's what you want as a fan, right? You want your team to go for it. In Tampa and Florida, one of them is not getting out of the second round. One of them might not even get out of the first round the way that division is set up. But they're both going for it. So who cares about the first-round picks? Who cares about the 2025 third-rounder conditional? Who cares? Go get Claude Giroux. Go get Brandon Hagel. Go get Ben Sherratt. Let's do something. Let's try to win a Stanley Cup here, and that's what you want to see. If you go for it every year and don't win, you sign those guys for eight years and, like, 
$64 million, <laughs> right? All of them. Just you take know, all those players and sign them for almost a decade. I want to feel bad for, blueprint. I want to feel bad for Sharks fans, but it's San Jose's gorgeous. I know you have to, it's like a million dollars for a cardboard box, but it's, <laughs> I don't feel that bad for him. I do. Have you seen Mark Edward Vlasic's contract? It's terrible <laughs> for them. Mark Edward Vlasic, his cousin, just uh, made his NHL debut with the Blackhawks. Oh, Alex Vlasic. It's hockey. You're always related to a former NHLer. Every single does player that's a, ever does come. Does he have a hyphenated name too, or is it just Alex? It's just Alex Vlasic, and he's uh, from Wilmette, Illinois, the north suburbs of Chicago. He's about nine feet tall. Uh, he was mm-hmm. a second round pick a few weeks ago, a few years ago. I I hope he looks forward to his 15 year contract with the <laughs> Sharks at some point. With, it's the Blackhawks, so it'll have a full no movement clause. Uh, Want to pick your brain a little bit too about uh, now? Let's go to the opposite end of the spectrum, Laz, and talk about some of the losers. And I know that uh, you you put Philly in there. I think you had Ottawa in there, Edmonton. Uh, you know, maybe you can walk us through the teams that you thought um, maybe came out behind here around the trade deadline. Well, you you tell me, you're Ottawa, man. What what was the Travis Hamanick trade? What what is that? Why yes. is that? Why, what is my, what the hell happened there? This we've, is my we brought it up in every escape. segment. Every every five minutes, we have to reset and talk about the Hamanick deal. Guys, when I the one of the great things about doing the athletic hockey show is I can talk about other teams and I'm, it's a national show and it's a it's my window to escape this and now you guys are trying to drag right, me. Back fair in. enough. As 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 the Chicago guy, I, I fully fully yeah. understand that and, and empathize with you. Exactly, um, Philly. You feel bad for because Philly didn't do anything wrong, right? Philly had no choice. Philly had no options. Claude Giroux would just go to one team, and they did okay. They did they didn't get what you should get for a player of Giroux's caliber. But you know, it, it's just got to be. It's so disheartening when like it, to be a fan of that team and to know how little hope you have in the near future and have your one big trade chip really not amount to too much. I mean, it's the Blackhawks with Marc-Andre Fleury was similar in that there was one team he would go to. They were they did well enough to get a conditional second rounder that might long shot become a first rounder. Uh, that Sometimes that's all you can do is get, get whatever you can and you just have to grin and bear it. And that's the unfortunate reality of no trade clauses and and rental players. And, and you know, you're only worth what the market allows. I thought, I thought Chuck Fletcher said they were close. What are you talking about? The Flyers, the Flyers are right there. Right there. The Flyers are always right there. Every team is always just one hot week away from uh, from uh, winning the Stanley Cup. And and did you guys find it a little odd? Like, did you guys find St. Louis like eerily quiet? Yeah. Around the trade deadline. Yeah, I mean, this you know, at the, in the Central Division alone, you had Colorado was loading up, Minnesota's obviously loading up, and St. Louis went and got Nick Letty. For I mean, like, Nick Letty uh, for, for for a lot. Yeah, they gave lot. up a lot. Nick Letty is, I mean, he's a great skater. He's still, he's only 31, which is mind-blowing because I thought he was like 78 years old at this point. He's 31. He's got a lot of life left, but he's clearly declining. He's a great skater and puck mover, but he's not a good defenseman, which is kind of what St. Louis needs more than anything else. So, uh, you know, I mean, I'm right here in Chicago, Calvin DeHaan was right there. You could have had him for a third or fourth round pick. Kyle Davidson was just trying to get rid of him. And that's a useful defensive player who could play, a, you know, a, a number three, number four role for you. So there's a lot of curious decisions. A lot of guys left on the table that you shouldn't that shouldn't have been left on the table for some of these contending teams. Like, you know, it, what are you doing if you're not trying to win? Right. Are you just trying to be okay? Is that what we're doing now? I think so. As far as like the 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 blues are the blues are fa- <laughs> the blues are fascinating too because everyone they, you know they got linked to Sherratt and they got linked to, to to some of the bigger defensive names on the market and they were they're capped out. They have no money yeah. to spend. It would have to be dollar in dollar out. So if you want to add like a 6 million dollar defenseman, like good luck finding 
you know, you're, you're robbing to Peter, to, you're robbing Peter to pay Paul if, it, if you're St. Louis. So yeah, I, I wasn't surprised to see them kind of play. Not it. surprised, but it's, it's, if you're a blues fan, you got to be disappointed in that because you know, it's an arm, you know, everyone's looking at Colorado and, yeah. and to a lesser extent Calgary. And you're like, well, how are we supposed to compete with that when they're adding good players and we're not, and we're already behind them. I mean, you know, maybe Daryl Sutter was right. Like just why even bother trying against Colorado? Hey, Laz, before we uh, before we let you go, um, uh, and again, we want to encourage our listeners to uh, and, and viewers here to check out your uh, winners and losers of, of the trade deadline that you put up at the Athletic. You you had a great tweet today. You don't have to tell us the whole story, but you were like, "Ah, oh, damn, Mark Andre Fleury got traded, and it killed a great story." <laughs> so, look, you don't have to tell us the whole idea, but maybe I can, you can strongly I, hint. No, I can because it's not going to happen now. Look. That is like perfectly uh, timed. I was covering the Penguins for a suburban oh, paper oh, in Pittsburgh. Okay, now he's I, back. He's back. I I, I covered I, – I know, that'll, that'll get Gentilly back into the discussion. <laughs> I, I covered Marc-Andre Fleury as a rookie under mm-hmm. coach Eddie Olchek. So my idea was that team was just absolutely horrible. And my and Eddie Olchek was all about the idea, but we just couldn't make the logistics work, was to just have the three of us sitting in a room talking about the 2003 Penguins. <gasps> The uh, oh the X generation right there, right, Sean? And you just shitting even, all over that team. It would have been amazing. I, I would if you wouldn't have tagged me in on that, I would have been so upset because that was my <laughs> senior that was my senior year of high school. And I think I went to probably 30 or 35 penguins games that year because tickets were just like laying were like laying oh, yeah. on the ground. So oh my gosh, that's I, that's I a, just that's a I just thought it was I just thought it was funny that the three of us were all, you know around the Blackhawks organization at the yeah, time. Just I we're, we're, like I covered coach Eddie Olchek. That was amazing. And like 19 year old Mark Andre Fleury, when I was 23, 22, it would have been amazing. And I never got to do it. And, and it makes me sad. And Ramsey a bid and Lassie Ramsey Criata and all those guys. <laughs> I was a big Alexei Morozov guy. I really thought he was the best was player outside of North America. Right. Hold up. I got, I got so many bobbleheads from that team. Oh, Dick Turnstile. Yeah. Dick he was there. was there, right? Yeah, Dick Turnstile. You mean, wait, hold on a second. Wait a second. You mean leading scorer, Dick Turnstrom? <laughs> Put some respect on his name. What are you talking about? He was amazing. Bobby hey, Armstrom? Was that the year that Andrew Ferentz was a rookie? He was the best quote on the team. I was going to that guy all the time. <laughs> oh, amazing. This is now, this is now a we'll podcast we'll... about the 2003 yeah. Pittsburgh Penguins, by the way. I'm willing to stick so around for that one. <laughs> <laughs> that would be gold. That would be gold. See, but those are the fun ideas for the summertime, right? When we're... Uh, we're it's, batting around like like you tweeted out as well today. I think it was today where you're like every writer just wants to get past the deadline. Then you get oh past God. the deadline, you're like, there's nothing to write about, right? I'll, I'll tell you, I did an interview with Marcus Kruger, who has not been in the NHL for three years now, at 1 p.m. Central Time today. <laughs> so I'm working. I'm trying to come up with stuff that's going to be for down the road. But yeah, that's that's how far I'm reaching. Okay, Olympian Olympian Marcus Kruger. That's right. <laughs> Awesome stuff. Hey, listen, Laz, thanks for doing this. Again, we encourage our viewers to check out your winners and losers of the trade deadline available right now on the Athletic site. Thanks for doing this, and uh, we'll get you again down the road. Thanks, guys. All right, there goes Mark Lazarus. Uh, see, you know when, when people say, and we're about to wrap this up, and people are like, oh, man, Ian has a really generic broadcasting voice. Does Mark Lazarus not have one of the best broadcasting voices out there? It makes sense that like his podcast does as well. And he he's got the he's got the side gig with NHL Network and whatever. That dude, the first time I met him, that was like my first thought was like, yes. how are you not, how are you not a radio guy? He t- did did you know this? Laz, big time Broadway guy, big time musical theater guy, loves to sing, very very into it. 
Okay, this is information we could have used 90 seconds ago. He could have he could have sang us right out of the show. Are you kidding me? Like that like you're you're talking about off-season content? That's like oh. a that's a that's a June show all all by itself, right? You know we what? Just, Maybe. We just have Mark we just have Mark come on and do selections from Lame Is or whatever. You know what? A fun column would be again, it would be very like inside baseball and maybe only we would enjoy it but like the the hidden talent of every writer who works for the athletic like everyone's got something quirky or weird or something right that they can do nope one trick pony baby i don't i don't, I don't even know what i would do for a job I'd, I'd end up being a bartender or something i got i got nothing else to offer can you juggle i can juggle that's about the I, only thing i, I specifically cannot juggle i've tried to learn how and I, cannot. I, <laughs> there you go all right. Uh, I think we'll leave it there. We'll leave it there with us talking about how untalented uh, we are. But we had a, a great uh, collection of talented guests here, right? Jonas Siegel and Peter Baugh and Haley and, and Mark Lazarus and Arthur Staple and Bill Lindsay. And I'm just going off the top of my head. Is that everybody? Mm-hmm. I think that's everybody. Peter, Wait. Laz. Oh, and, yeah. uh, and Corey Pronman. Corey, Corey Pronman in the leadoff spot. Come on. I talked to Corey. I talked Corey to, Pronman can I juggle. Corey, I, feel, I've talked, I can't I've, picture him juggling. I, I it wouldn't surprise me if he could. I talked to I've talked to Corey so much over the last three days that I just like he just like like flew out of my head. I've talked to him more than anybody else in my life over the last over the last forty eight hours. Yeah, oh no, he has, he's always got the goods on uh, on all those prospects and stuff. Hey, listen, uh, this was uh, ninety minutes well spent. I think for us had a lot of fun. Appreciate all the uh, the the people dropping in the in the comments uh, section. Um, I like Anthony saying, "Hey, the athletic is stacked. It needs a nickname like how California Bloody. got Death Valley." Buddy, you misread that. He's saying the Atlantic is stacked. Oh, He's Atlantic, talking about the Atlantic, the Atlantic Division, not the publication oh, for which we work. Oh, my God. Are, do I have egg on my much, face? We are much, much, much <laughs> less less impressive than the Oh, my Atlantic gosh. That's, That's hilarious. Because you know what? There was back-to-back text from him. And see, the second one does say the Athletic. There we go. And I think very nice. Thank that's you. That's what I was looking at. So we're Anthony, not Death Valley. Anthony, you're welcome. Yeah, Anthony, you listen, this was a ton of fun. And uh, Sean, this was, and so uh, maybe I'll let you tee this up. Athletic Hockey Show Tuesday edition with you and Custance. What do you got uh, going on uh, on the Tuesday edition of the pod? I think it's all Pierre all the time. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure that's it. We're gonna have Pierre LeBron. LeBron. We're, we're gonna have LeBron in for the for, for the duration. I'm just really, you know, really happy and really honored that he found the time in his schedule and carved some out for us. It's a big okay. Good stuff, and maybe he can give us some. Ba- he may give you some background on what Haley Salvian was really like behind the scenes there. <laughs> zone one. I can't believe she got zone one on the board. Good for her. Big hitter, baby. Yeah. All right. Hey, listen, we'll leave it there. I want to thank everybody for dropping by, uh, tuning in. If you did the whole 90 minutes or just a few minutes, we certainly appreciated that. Like I said, coming up Tuesday, we're back to the original audio version of the podcast. It's a Gentilian custom. So like you said, uh, Peter LeBron will drop by. Uh, that does it for us. But we want to thank you for watching this live edition of the Athletic Hockey Show Trade Deadline Edition.